You are listening to TMB DOS. They must be destroyed on sight. Discussions of an adult nature, adult language, and spoilers for the films discussed are most likely. Still on board? Come on in. Enjoy your stay. They must be destroyed on sight! back it is they must be destroyed on site episode 117 and i am lee the more you drive the less intelligent you are russell and i'm joined by my co-host daniel society made me what i am harper how you doing sir i'm doing well i you do not have a driver's license am i correct that is true i i uh, i am not a driver well then yeah that the both of those actually kind of make sense for us then don't they yeah, although um, I'm also not a person who walks around uh, with grease on his face, wearing a jumpsuit and burning trash in a fucking uh, oil barrel as well. So, I mean, well, you know. really, that's because you don't own a jumpsuit. I mean, you know, <laughs> <laughs> otherwise I'd be preaching UFO cult shit to everybody. Yeah, yeah. I just the, need a jumpsuit. Yeah, that's all you need. You know, your one jumps to jumps it away from uh, cinematic immortality. Although, I also, I'd probably have to like chew a lot of acid back in the hippie days too. Yeah, yeah. well, <laughs> you know, we'll get into that. I'm sure. I'm sure yeah. this topic will come back. So, yeah, yeah, we are continuing our sort of exploration of weirdo '80s and sometimes '90s uh, sci-fi films. 
and we're going to be looking at the Alex Cox directed Repo Man. And before we get into that, though, we do have some comments, so we will go through these very quickly on our Inner Space slash Batteries Not Included episode. And this is actually from a different sphere of friends that I have in my wrestling podcast that I'm a part of. And he's part of the sort of prediction league. Like we have like a uh, kind of, you know how like football and shit, they have like their fantasy leagues and stuff. We have a kind of wrestling prediction league kind of thing. This is Woody. And he says, I love old movies like these. Pretty sure I have a streaming service that I got specifically for older movies. And well, Woody, let us know what the fucking streaming service is, because if they have movies like these two movies on it, it'd be probably something we're interested in. Yes, and it does kind of uh, just hit me that uh, two movies from the late 80s are considered older movies. Yeah. (laughs) So many people. Is is that not bad? Yeah. Uh, It came across my Twitter feed today that the new Hellboy, the the Hellboy reboot is happening, right? Mm Mm-hmm. And uh, the fandom around Hellboy has been waiting for like years for a for the third film in the trilogy, right. and it just never happened. But it just kind of you know, like slips out. Oh, it turns out uh, the original Hellboy almost fourteen years old. I'm just increasingly of the I'm rapidly reaching middle age here. And, yeah, um, same here. You know, life is meaningless. Everything <laughs> decays, and yeah. uh, you know, doing a doing a pop culture podcast just reminds me continually of how. <laughs> <laughs> I will die very soon. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We don't get a lot of years left, man. But fuck, uh, I'm going to see that new Hellboy film. I'm totally going to do it. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, definitely. Definitely. Because I, I love the first two. Um, next, we have... the first one. The first one. We should do those. I would we, love to yeah, do those. We, yeah, we should do... Yeah, I'm, I'm totally on board. I actually love both those films. So I'll, I'll, I'll I've fight. Only seen, I've only seen the second one once. I didn't like it as much as the first one. I like certain elements in the second one even better than I like anything in the first one. Like I told you before we uh, started this recording, if you hated Repo Man, I would fight you. I will fight you on Hellboy 2. I will fight you. Okay, well, you know, <laughs> I, I'm not saying I, you know, I hate the film at all. I'm just saying like, I, I prefer the first, you know. I'll, but... I'll, still, I'll still fight you. Fair enough. <laughs> Okay, next. We have, we... <laughs> next episode, the Hellboy <laughs> series is going to be our Hellboy confrontation. Yeah, the Hellboy confrontation. Uh, Blood sports. Uh... Hellboy. <laughs> <laughs> next comment here we have from uh, our friend uh, Gary Hill, who has been on this podcast for our uh, Iron Eagle retrospective. <laughs> the Iron Eagle. Um... <laughs> I, I I don't really have a joke there, but yeah, just just uh, you know the Iron Eagle. That pinnacle of cinematic achievement, uh, he came on and helped us uh, discuss those. Yeah, so uh, Gary Hill from the Very Fine Cinema Beef podcast and some other podcasts as well that you can find on Legion Podcasts if you so do desire. And you should because they're awesome. He says, hey guys, enjoyed the new episode. Always enjoyed Hackers. I know the tech is not sound, but it is a fun, dumb time every time. Great characters that fit in that mid-90s era where and nowhere else. The short circuit duology is always a special time for me, much like most people who love it. Although I do agree that the Goots, as in Steven Gutenberg, uh, was missing from the second one. I thought Fisher Stevens was fleshed out enough to stand on his own and make us root for him. The robot still looks great, and of course I think he looks the coolest in the third act of the second one where he's 
dying and all punked out. Yeah, with the mohawk and shit. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I I kind of was just embarrassed rewatching that because I loved it so much as a kid. Yeah. Um, and I have no critical distance from that. It's literally just I loved it so. Like I rewatched that. Even that playing the holding out for a hero song and all that. Like it just. <laughs> I just went into that totally cringe. So I just kind of completely blocked that from my mind on the uh, rewatch. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, no, it's it's pretty cool. Uh, also, um, hackers. I don't know if I mentioned this in the in the episode we recorded. Although I listened to the episode we recorded. Do you know who was originally supposed to play the character that Angelina Jolie played in Hackers? No, Catherine Heigl. Really, really. Okay. She she, she, she would have been she, super young she, in that. She she went to do uh, Under Siege to colon Dark Territory instead. Okay. Oh. Yeah, okay. Is she Steven Seagal's daughter in that one? I believe so. It's been many, many years since I've seen Under Siege 2. Yeah, okay, because she, she would have been super fucking young. Oh, yeah, yeah, no, yeah. No. I mean, probably more age-appropriate for the film. Right, Angelina right. Jolie. But uh, also, I don't think that film would be nearly what it is had it not been for Angelina oh, Jolie. Oh, no, no. I mean, she's, she's kind of a uh, selling point in that film. Like, yeah, I mean, she's kind of the first selling point of that film. Yeah, exactly, yeah. <laughs> uh, but Gary continues, I never really thought too much about uh, Ben being played by a white actor because they didn't really make any off-color mm-hmm. jokes with the race and always respected him as a character. Great time as always. Keep on trucking. There you go. Yeah, I mean, it's it's pure. I mean, it's the late 80s. It's just kind of yeah. what they did. And it's, it's just... it's. Yeah. It's status quo, really. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it is. And it's, I mean, Perfect Strangers was a giant hit around the same time, you know. (laughs) Belky Bartokamus. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. We're we're reaching middle age. We remember Perfect Strangers. Yeah, and uh, the TGIF the TGIF lineup is in our memories. <laughs> yeah, in our nightmares, maybe. Um, <laughs> but yeah, thanks very much, Gary. And uh, we're definitely going to have to have you back sometime soon. And I've, I've I've been on several of his podcasts now in the last little while, so uh, always good times. And last comment we hear is uh, from Darren Wilson, who uh, commented last episode as well. Uh, although uh, I will mention the Psychosomatic podcast, which is, he is the uh, excellent host of. They're going to be doing Repo Man by coincidence soon. He so has, we, have, we have to go first, and therefore, like he gets to listen to this, and then so. His will definitely be the better episode. So basically, yeah. unless you're Darren Wilson, you shouldn't be listening to this. You should just stop. <laughs> and then he'll just steal all of the good content from us. And then, you know. Yeah, he's, he's, he's totally yeah. going to fuck us. But still, yeah. uh, I'm, I'm okay with being fucked by Darren Wilson. Whatever. Yeah, no, um, no problem. No problem. Yeah. Uh, but he says, what, if anything, would you add into the repo code? I'll let you go first, Daniel, if, if you have anything you want to... Despite the fact that I hadn't seen that uh, that comment yet, so I have no answer prepared. You, you uh-huh. just presented this to me. Um, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I, well, I, 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 I purposely did, did, I did that to fuck with you. I do. No, 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 it's fine, it's fine, it's fine, you know. <laughs> thou shalt, <laughs> thou shalt not destroy a repo vehicle or allow through an action for it to uh, be harmed, you know. That's Thou already... obey any order given by a repoed object. <laughs> Basically, it's Asimov's Three Laws of Robotics, but for the uh, the repoed cars. <laughs> well, the... the car the car is called the Asimov, so yeah. yeah. Uh, for me, it would be uh, Thou shalt 
fuck any really cute UFO cultist chick who who is interested in you. Um, that, that's not the repo code. That's just the you know the code oh. of you know when when you when you see the cute UFO chick, as long as you know eagerly consenting and uh, you know of reasonably sound mind. Well, yeah, here's the thing, because I'm, I'm taking this from personal experience. Like, uh, if it's a UFO cultist theory, you know, chick or like an astrology chick or something like that, mm-hmm. always fucking jump on that. Because even though the relationship will not be necessarily long lasting, the sex is always good. I can I can I, actually personally speak from experience for that. I the, you know this is one this is you know usually in terms of the uh, sexual arts I find myself uh, you know someone who has traveled any particular road, but this is not one that I've necessarily uh, been on all that often. Often enough to sort of have it in the in the rule book, as you say. But uh, anecdotally, from what I've heard, eh, yeah, I'll I'll shrug with a shrug and a nod. You know, I will definitely kind of be on that rule yes i had a girl and her basically her pickup line on me was i want you to come over to my place and i will give you a tarot card reading Uh and you know the tarot card reading wasn't all that interesting but afterwards it was good (laughs) (laughs) i'll I'll leave it at that (laughs) fair enough yeah i think i think given my personality and the sort of my uh you know I don't know that too many people that would offer me. A, I don't know that I get offered tarot card readings all that often. Let's just put it that way. You know, I don't get off. I don't give off the vibe. You know. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, I, I I don't even know how I necessarily give off that vibe. It was just lucky. Well, but you live in you live in Nova Scotia, so you know it is like one of those. You know, it's really well, fucking cold and wet and disgusting, and you know, healthcare is free, so you know. Everybody's just yeah. fucking each other in rural Nova Scotia. I get that, you know. But, but I, I live in the Bible Belt of Nova Scotia, basically. So it's like the, <laughs> the fact Bible that any Belt. chick who like is actually reading tarot cards would be interested in me is kind of like a one in a million shot. Fair enough. Fair enough. So I mean, I, I kind of won the lottery there. No, oh, yeah, yeah. No, I, I would. Uh, I understand. I understand where you're going with that. You know? Yeah. 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 Did, uh, I mean, we could keep talking about your sexual history if you'd like. Really, but no, not, can, not really, because we can move would, on into you know. I mean, because, I know, I know that would take up another like five whole minutes. Um, it, is, it pretty much would, and it would yeah, depress yeah. the people listening to this right yeah. now. They'd be like, "What the fuck?" <laughs> I'm very happy you once got lately. It's it's very yeah. It's, I'm pretty happy about it myself. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so we can move on to what we've watched in the last while, and I know you don't really have anything you want to mention, so um, I've got two I will, things. I will, say, I will say I've just been watching on YouTube the... Uh, <laughs> my wife and I have been sitting and giggling at the... There's this YouTube channel called Girlship, and uh, yeah. it's a uh, drunk lesbians watch, and then like lesbian movies, right? So... Oh, yeah. It's pretty hilarious if you if you if you kind of put on like a playlist and like have some drinks and like want to sit around and watch and you want to see what real lesbians have to say about films about lesbians. Yeah, it's pretty. And I we spent like half the day doing that today. <laughs> so you know. um, sometimes you don't watch anything with any like constructive purpose. It's just like oh yeah, this is very goofy and watching lesbians get you know progressively more drunk and talk about how 
um, Catherine Heigl reference again yeah. i just watched one that she was in Catherine heigl apparently does not have lesbian fingernails there's a lot of talk of lesbian oh fingernails. lesbian fingernails shit okay it's a thing it's a thing <laughs> it's definitely a thing you know okay anyway that's that's uh just wanted to throw that in there uh, while we were you know we did the Catherine heigl reference so i brought it back doing a yeah doing a bit I, here, you know, I see so. what you did there yeah yeah no, that's pretty, cool pretty swift all right so what have you been watching lee probably something more constructive and uh you know possibly better well nothing i watched had any lesbians in it but um well that's uh, so so i'm one up on you you know <laughs> you are kind of yeah i watched uh the ritual from uh, this year 2018 it's a british horror film it's kind of the male version of the descent the goonies no sorry no no, no i mean it, it, it's basically a bunch of guys who you know have been friends for a long time uh friends from college get together to do a sort of a vacation trip to Northern Sweden and uh, hike basically. And they find themselves at a point where they have to make a shortcut to get back to their camp or whatever. So they have to go through the forest. And this is one of these ancient forests that has not been touched by man for years. And it's uh, they, they find themselves under basically the they, they basically ancient, find themselves ancient, ancient forests that have not been touched by man for years. Are you sure there are no lesbians in this film? <laughs> there might be. <laughs> okay, okay. Uh, because because they, they find themselves there's some there's some dark presence in the film. Yeah, they're they're basically being uh, stalked and uh, eventually killed by seemingly pagan influences here. Uh, so you know there might be some lesbian stuff going on there because you know pagans are, they were pretty free spirited about all pagans. That pagans are either uh, free spirited, uh, you know, fuck anything that uh, is consenting and you know soft and comfortable kind of thing, mm-hmm. or they're uh, literal Nazis at this point. So yeah, you know. yeah. Well, we're we're yeah we're not talking about the uh, white nationalist uh, fucking Denmark. Let's let's be all white and fucking. Uh, <laughs> Let's yeah. let's not tag the golden one in this conversation. How does that sound? <laughs> yeah. Okay. Good stuff. <laughs> yeah. uh, but but it's it's interesting. Uh, apparently, this was based on a novel. From all the reviews I've read of the novel, the novel is much more horrible compared to the sexual film because it kind of depicts the characters as just fucking pieces of shit, basically. Um, here, it's much more. That idea of lifelong friends that you move on from, like, you know, mm-hmm. you went to school with them, but you've basically grown apart and you've moved on to other sort of avenues in your life and you come together and you don't have anything in common anymore. So these guys are in the woods together and they immediately start being in conflict with each other because they're being hounded by these weird supernatural things going on. And there is a there's a monster in this film and... I really dig what this fucking monster is. Like it sort of sort of goes back to sort of Norse mythology and stuff like that. And it's kind of really creepy and well-constructed for the most part. This is kind of a good companion piece to the descent. You can watch the descent, which has a lot of similar themes. That one is of course, all females with, you know, they, they have a past and they're, they're connected and there's like some, really painful shit in their past that sort of erupts into the present when they're all together. And the same thing happens in this film. And uh, yeah, it's, it's really good. It's a pretty goddamn decent horror film. It's probably the best horror film I've seen so far from this year. How did you watch this? 
I watched this on Netflix. It's on Netflix right now. Oh, awesome. Okay, cool. Maybe I'll check it out, but I say that all the time, and you know, it doesn't sound like something that I'm going to like immediately yeah. gravitate towards. But you know, uh, you know, we'll see. Yeah, it's it's, it's pretty good. The, the, and there's some interesting uh, visuals, uh, yeah. the way they shoot stuff, because the main character has this r- really uh, intense guilt about uh, a situation that happened in his past, and it sort of manifests throughout i'll I'll not give anything away because i don't want to spoil yeah yeah no no i mean it sounds like there's enough kind of interesting stuff in there that i'd like to talk about it with you but you know again i almost never like going go yeah let's sit down and watch the (laughs) ritual from 2018 like no i got other things to watch yeah i've got got drunk lesbians to watch and i mean really yeah I, I, i would i would slide on the drunk lesbians the other one i'll mention is black hat from 2015 uh uh this is a Michael Mann film starring Chris Hemsworth. And oh, is this the like hacker movie? Yeah, that's why I watched it because yeah, it's like yeah. we, we watch hackers. It's like I was trying to think what other modern films touch on this. That's kind of the only one I could think of. We should have watched it, The Net. The Net, yeah. yeah. And the uh, what's the the uh, Diane Lane one that's the um, oh. like the on star? Uh, there's a yeah. I can't yeah, remember but, what the fucking movie's called, but yeah, there's another one. Yeah, but I, I checked this out, and uh, I mean, I'm a big Michael Mann fan, so I was I was just waiting to check this out anyway. It just popped up on Netflix, so it's probably based on our hackers episode. Like people like people are now hungry from our hacker content. <laughs> Definitely, yeah. And I mean, if if you're gonna go into this one, go in this one for with some reservations because it has a little bit of the sort of hacker stuff going on, but it's not a lot of it. You know, Michael Mann's really great. Detail-wise, he he gets it right every time in his films. Like, he, he's always on top of that shit. As far as, you know, firefights and stuff like that in his films, he's got that down. If you want to watch realistic firefights between characters in a film, Michael Mann always has that down. Like, that's always a kind of a key thing in his films. Biggest problem with this is Chris Hemsworth does not portray a convincing computer nerd who went to prison and, is, and then is... <laughs> you know, being recruited by the CIA or FBI or whatever to catch, like, a fucking hacker and uh, stop him before he can starts, so, like, a so, global catastrophe. So, basically, this is our companion piece of Swordfish. We're, we're going to do Swordfish and Black Hat as, as a future episode. I would be on board with doing that, yeah. Yeah. Uh, because, Put it on the list. Yeah, and I mean... List now, so, you know. Yeah, and I mean... I'll say I, I like Black Hat. Like it, yeah. it's it's all right, but it's severely flawed. The fact that like Chris Hemsworth is just miscast in this, and I like Chris Hemsworth, but seeing a guy who's bordering on two hundred pounds and is super beautiful, and he just comes out of prison looking like that, and it's just like okay, dude. The guy he well, goes I mean, after. What are you saying? What are you saying? That's that's what all computer geniuses look like. He said right. while typing algorithms into his like, keyboard. There's some really contrived, oh, so he did a lot of push-ups in prisons. <laughs> That's why he's so right. buff. Yeah, but yeah. it's like, shit. The guy he actually goes after, uh, the, this, he's this Belgian computer hacker who's causing these, these disasters and stuff. The guy he goes after is more the realistic what Chris Hemsworth's character should have been. Slightly pudgy, bearded fucking <laughs> nerd guy. So, so basically they should have hired Zach Galifianakis instead right. of Chris Hemsworth. It's kind of weird. But uh, that being said, I mean, still, it's, it's a Michael Mann film and you can never fault his technical prowess. 
and it still works for the most part. It's just I, I wish it wasn't Chris Hemsworth in the lead role. It, it kind of hurts the film to it's like a bleeding wound in the film. You do run into this a lot of times with uh, films where <laughs> the film gets made because they find a big star who's willing to do it, but then right. you know it kind of misshapes the entire rest of the film. You know, and then mm-hmm. if you write around that, you sort of like develop the film again, kind of, kind of with the idea of okay, this is our new star, so like let's kind of make the film the thing that it is. But um, a lot of times the stars don't want to do that. I mean, this is just kind of one of the like, no, I like the I like the part as it's written, but like you totally don't fit into this role, and <laughs> like that's fine. But we, you know, we want to work. To, you know, I don't know. There, there's always that kind of balance that you, that you have to strike, and um, particularly with big stars. I'm struck by the fact that we've never had the best Chris conversation on this podcast. I don't know if you're aware of that um, kind of meme that kind of exists in fandom circles on like Twitter and Tumblr and I'm sure Instagram, et cetera, which is which Chris is best, you know, and that's like Pine, Hemsworth, Evans, Pratt. Oh. Uh, there are a couple others, but, you know, because, uh, you know, if you, if you follow like Chris Evans on Twitter, Chris Evans is like this kind of amazing, big hearted dude, yeah. who, like literally got into a fight with David Duke on Twitter at one yeah, point, you and, know, yeah, and, and uh, fuck that fucker. Yeah, exactly. Um, but I mean, you know, there, there is this kind of who's your favorite Chris, you know, is sort of a, sort of a conversation. And I'm not saying we can have that conversation now. But if you had a, a clear answer, that would be a, a fun thing to uh, talk about for two minutes. We're just delaying talking about Repo Man at this point. Mike Murphy loves this episode. <laughs> well, we're not talking about Mar- Marvel movies, so he I mean, wait, I just I just brought us into best Chris territory, and I think all of them at Chris Pine have been in at least one Marvel movie. So yeah, but we're not saying anything about a Marvel movie, so we'll, we'll yeah. keep it at that. Um, I didn't even see Black Panther this week, so I didn't get to talk about it. So yeah. yeah. Fuck, man. Um, Chris Chris Pine. Chris Evans. Chris Hemsworth. I'd have to think about it for a while. Yeah, there's, yeah. there's no way I can think about it right now. Yeah, no, I've, we'll, I've had far too many beer. We'll, we'll come back to it next week. We'll say, best Chris. You know that uh, we'll, we'll, we'll fucking lock it down right now. Best Chris next week. We'll talk about yeah, it. Yeah, we'll, we'll talk about it. That'll and be if, the episode next week. We won't even do a movie. We'll just do well, the best Chris conversation. <laughs> well, I mean, if if the if the next episode next week ends up being enemy mine, like we hope for, uh, we'll also have to draw Kit Power into that conversation. Yeah, so. yeah. Somehow, I don't think he's going to actually be available for next week, but we'll see. We'll see. We'll see. We'll I have see. a feeling next week we're going to do Alien Nation, and uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then uh, also, Bright's going to be our sort of. Uh, extra to that you know the yeah. dvd extra to our yeah, we're, uh, we're gonna do we're gonna do a commentary on bright so yeah now for that you know yeah get get, hey, get do, you, <laughs> do you think we could get like people to like pay us to like do it uh live get a time that people could actually watch it you know because i don't know uh i'm, I'm kind of considering like maybe we should do a live google hangout and just fucking uh rip on that. bright yeah for bright criticize Right. Yeah. All right. Criticize, criticize, quote unquote. Yeah. Put it. Put it. Put it in the. Put it in the show notes. You know, like or uh, comment below on the on the Facebook page, which is the best way to get in contact with us. They must be on Facebook. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Do, do you want to? Do you want to see us guys do a fucking? Do you want to see uh, us do live? this live? Because 
We'll do it live. We'll do it live. Google Bill Hangout O'Reilly style. Bill O'Reilly style. Yeah, do it live, motherfucker. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, uh, we're going to take a quick break. We'll have some uh, promos from some other podcasts. We'll have a little bit of music and we'll come back to Repo Man. Then you come to the right place. My name is Gary and I'm your guide to Cinnamon Beef Podcast. Every episode, we not only deliver film reviews, we also dismantle some of your favorite and most hated films. Sometimes for the better and sometimes for the worse. Hey, 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 you shut your face! If we want to hear you talk, I will shove my arm up your ass and work your mouth like a puppet! Alright, calm down, calm down. Every show I hope to have a new co-host, podcasters, and listeners alike. That's right, I'm talking to you people. I take all comers. Oh, slapped. That's not very nice. The only rules, well, let's ask the best cooler in the business. All you have to do is follow three simple rules. One... Never underestimate your opponent. Expect the unexpected. Two, take it outside. Never start anything inside the bar unless it's absolutely necessary. Three, be nice. So join the insanity and please venture frustrations. I'm available on TalkShoe, iTunes, and Stitcher Smart Radio. Remember, here at the Sun Beef Podcast, if you got beef, I've got the grinder. Broadcasting from the Cursed Earth, the Psycho-Semanticast. Let us face, without panic, the reality of our time. The fact that atom bombs may someday be dropped on our cities. And let us prepare for survival by understanding the weapon that threatens us. To have a, uh, an ignorant, uh, thin-skinned megalomaniac uh, who sends off you know, Twitters at 3 a.m. if somebody angered him. Neo-Nazis turning up in Washington, D.C. to have a rally saying, Heil Trump. We talk about politics. I knew I couldn't trust you corporate greaseballs. We talk about movies. You can't come down here and arrest people just because of what they look like. Are you crazy? But that's police harassment. We talk about political movies. We're in trouble. The whole world's in trouble. They're all around us and we never knew it. You can only see them with these special glasses. The Psycho Semanticast.
push from the left and a shove from the right. It's all planned out. We'll do it tonight. Push the president and his wife. We'll hold them for a ransom or take their lives. Attack their embassy. They are our enemies. The president they smoke cigars. Anyone he does not like, he shoots or puts behind bars.
now we're going to be looking at Repo Man from 1984. What you got in the trunk? You don't want to look in there. Suppose you're thinking about a plate of shrimp. Suddenly somebody will say like plate or shrimp or plate of shrimp out of the blue, no explanation. No point in looking for one either. It's all part of a cosmic unconsciousness. You eat a lot of acid, Miller, back in the hippie days? Put it on a plate, son. You'll enjoy it more. Couldn't enjoy it anymore, Mom. Mm-mm-mm. This is swell. What's this? <laughs> Charming friends you got there, Otto. Thanks. I made it myself. I had a lobotomy in the end. Lobotomy? Isn't that for loonies? Not at all. A friend of mine had one. I do my best thinking on the bus. That's how come I don't drive, see? You don't even know how to drive. I don't want to know how. I don't want to learn, see? The more you drive, the less intelligent you are. Directed by and written by Alex Cox, starring Harry Dean Stanton as Bud, Emilio Estevez as Otto, Tracy Walter as Miller, Olivia Barish as Leela, Cy Richardson as Light, Susan Barnes as Ancient Rodriguez, uh, Fox Harris as J. Frank Purnell, Tom Finnegan as Oli, Del Samora as Legarto Rodriguez, Eddie Velez as Napoleon Napo Rodriguez, uh, Xander Schloss as Kevin, Jennifer Belgoblin as Debbie, Dick Root as Duke, Miguel Sandoval as Archie, and Vanetta McGee, who we've talked about in this podcast before, uh, as Marlene. And uh, I'll immediately go over to you, Daniel. Uh, is this the first time for you watching this one? No. I had seen this once before. The first time I watched it, I kinda, it kind of passed right over me. Uh, mm-hmm. This would have been, I don't know, 10, 15 years ago. Sometime in my 20s, I saw it. <laughs> I think that I've seen Repo Man once. It's sort of like the I haven't seen Evil Dead yet. Of, <laughs> you know, there, there, is a, there is a definite theoretical correlation between those sentences. Right. Um, it definitely needs a second watch to really kind of get what's going on. Also, I just wasn't as uh, kind of plugged into it. It just it didn't, it didn't reach me on the first watch. I really only watched it like a few hours ago. Like I really kind of rewatched it this afternoon. And so I'm mm-hmm. still like processing it just a little bit. Yeah. I know this is a film that you love and I'm not, I'm not, you know, uh, downplaying that at all. 
I'm not sure I love this film, but there's a lot going on that's sort mm-hmm. of buried underneath the surface. What what looks like a fairly straightforward narrative about like this punk kid who you know gets a shitty job who gets one shitty job instead of a bunch of other shitty jobs that he might otherwise have <laughs> and then um runs into this uh, kind of subplot about alien decomposing alien bodies right uh, in the trunk of a car there's a lot of uh, kind of socio-political stuff there's a lot of character stuff there's a lot of genre kind of awareness there's a lot of you know kind of people walking into <laughs> other kinds of movies and there's some uh, really kind of cool kick-ass women, at least three cool kick-ass women in this mm-hmm. film. And uh, I kind of really enjoyed the rewatch. And uh, that's kind of, I kind of want to get your take on it and we'll just kind of go from there. Um, if that's okay. Awesome. Yeah. I'll throw the plot here, by the way, for I have to do that. Who needs, who needs a plot? It's about a repo man. It's about a, about a kid who uh, loses his job at the grocery <laughs> store whose uh, parents, uh, who are ex-hippies, they uh, give away the money they were going to give him. So to a televangelist, yeah. Uh, he goes to, uh, so he's looking for a job. He uh, runs into Harry Dean Stanton, who's doing the Harry Dean Stanton thing and being a repo yeah. man. He uh, kind of joins in this this club, kind of almost by happenstance, and uh, ends up kind of liking it. He learns some life lessons. He fucks a hippie chick. Uh, or at least a kind of ufology chick. Yeah. Um, and then gradually you come to get to the point where there's this, again, car with some rotting alien bodies in the trunk that's driving around Los Angeles and uh, everybody's in a hunt for it. You get these kind of various groups are all, you know, hunting for it, including um, what we presume to be a government agency, but may or may not be based on right. some other stuff that's going on. And uh, in the end, uh, the car turns green and flies away. Yeah. And, uh, 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 I, apo- I apologize to uh, IMDB uh, user Baroque. And that's not broke as in broke ass. That's uh, as in the musical style. Did I did I did I just out describe the movie from from the your IMDb user? No, I mean, but you did a fairly good job. He had a fairly intricate uh, explanation here, but you 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 hit all the major points. So there we yeah. go. So you yeah, fuck you, Baroque. Uh, you're gone. Um, <laughs> so this is really what Lee does. Is he turns to a random IMDb commenters because I'm not pulling my weight on this podcast and actually writing summaries anymore. Uh, well, I mean, you know, we, we I really considered it for this film. I really considered it for this film. I, cool. I finished watching it and I was like, oh, I should sit down and actually write a summary. Hey, then yeah. I thought Lee loves this movie. He would not be happy with any like actual summary. I, I'd be so. I'd be happy anytime you want to give a summary. I've already, I've already explained this to Daniel that whenever he feels like doing it, he can do it. Otherwise, we're just going to go with it. But uh, so the first time I saw this film, uh, I saw this on A&E. And this is one of these films. Uh, I think I'm not the American A and E, but the Canadian A and E. Let's let's not that there's a big difference, really. Okay. Uh, well, because the American A and E was like the arts entertainment channel, and it was a lot of like stand up comedy and like sort of what what Bravo we had all the was, same thing. You know? We had we had all okay, the same okay, thing okay. in Canada. Was uh, it like a late night thing where you saw it then? Because they'd sometimes do no. that. They'd, okay. This this was this was one of the films. Like A and E had all these films that they bought that were for cheap. Again, because I think it was I basic cable, and that's what you yeah. And cable. I and I think I mentioned this uh, previously on the podcast that I'm still sort of working on like either doing a podcast or an article talking about all these films I saw in A&E that kind of like shaped my adolescence and my growth as a sort of movie watcher. And this is one of those films. This is one of those touchstones sort of films for me. 
I saw this on A&E, and this is the TV version I saw on A&E. So it's actually kind of vastly different from the version you and I watched uh, for the podcast. Although the the version that you supplied on Google Drive is the sort of DVD Blu-ray cut of, of the oh, film. I certainly didn't supply any version of anything. I uh, right. legally obtained this film and right. uh, certainly did not do anything uh, that might get uh, any kind of copyright lawyers involved in, in our lives. Exactly, you know? yes. That never happened. Um, yeah. But yeah, no... Uh, for years, I was familiar with the TV version of this, which uh, basically, for the most part, all it did was substitute the bad language for really weird language. So every every time someone said "fuck you," it was "flip you," uh, and so totally in keeping with this uh, very gritty world that they're establishing in the in the film. Certainly, yeah. Yeah. So I mean, it's got a kind of a certain charm to it. Like the first time that Bud. Uh, drives up and meets Otto in the car, and where he says, "Hey, kid, you, kid, you wanna you wanna make some money?" Uh, Otto goes, "Flip you, pervert!" Instead of "fuck you, faggot." <laughs> no, well, you know, yeah, uh, and and that's there, how there's I... definitely a charm to that. Like, yeah, it, it almost fits this sort of like otherworldly uh, thing. You know, sometimes using the like actually saying "fuck" is less. It, you know, it's an artistic decision to not say fuck sometimes. You know? Yeah, no, that's that's what drew me into this film. I just yeah. thought it was so weird, and I, I really liked it. And fuck, I, I've seen this film on a and so many times. Flip, I've seen this flip. film. I, I flip, I've seen this film on a and so many times, and I loved it. And I feel like I'm in a Silver Age comic book right now. <laughs> uh but yeah that's a really it was a really swell film mister thank you for like allowing me to see this really swell yeah. yeah 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 but yeah this this kind of spoke to me because i mean this this film really does center in on sort of subcultures that really kind of speak to me uh, like i am kind of a punk rock kid that's the kind of music i listened to growing up and this this film definitely centers in on people who listen to that stuff. I mean, the entire soundtrack, and we'll get into that later, but it, it really does focus on that. I, I love how quirky this is, uh-huh. uh, especially years later. We're looking back on this; you can see how influential it is. Quentin Tarantino obviously stole several things from this film, like not just structure, but I mean, just the MacGuffin idea of the suitcase that glows, you know, out of the trunk yeah. kind of thing. I mean. Obviously, Quentin Tarantino. I mean, stole certainly, it. certainly, he saw that. I don't know if he stole it from this or if he stole it from, you know, Kiss of Death. And you know, maybe, yeah, maybe. But I mean, I mean, I, I mean, it's clear. It's clear they both. I mean, the thing with this film is that it feels really ahead of its time. Certainly, watching it now, it feels really kind of clever and, and like today. And I think this is kind of where I would land on like kind of my first viewing in my twenties is like it, not that I didn't sort of wasn't sort of aware of like the time and place, but it just sort of like struck me as like, Oh, it's, it's a, you know, it's kind of a genre savvy kind of cute little indie flick. Right. But in 1984, that's a very different thing that it would have been in like 1994, you know? So yeah. it sort of uh, predates its audience to a large degree. And that's, you know, kind of the definition of a cult classic. It sort of grew to something that people really, you know, Basically, everybody who saw this film wanted to make films like this film, essentially, you know? Yeah. You know, that that totally makes sense to me. I mean, I'm sure Tar- Tarantino saw it. I'm just, like, I'm not, you know, I I, I kind of believe in that, like, the briefcase in Pulp Fiction is as much, you know, is, is Kiss of Death and not, you know, 
you know, directly yeah, looking out for Evil Man, you know. I, 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 but there's yeah, so, but there's other stuff with the trunk shots and you know, yeah, that kind of stuff that you know you you can certainly see Tarantino's inspired by, you know. Right. And I like this film. It really takes its fucking time. And it's only a 90 minute film, like 92 yeah. minute film or whatever. 92, 92 minutes with credits. Yeah. Which doing the reverse, uh, you know, where they start at the bottom right. and then can roll up, which is such a like, you know, one of the, one of those like weird and quirky things that you see sometimes <laughs> in films, you know? Yeah. But, but I love how this film takes its time introducing the characters in the world. It takes about 40 minutes before it actually gets into the actual plot of the film. Yeah. Like, it, Well, I mean, the film is kind of, I mean, it seems almost divorced from plot in, yeah. in a very weird way. Rewatching this and kind of thinking about it, um, sitting and watching the, the, the lesbians talk about lesbian films and just kind of like kind of <laughs> idly in the back of my mind thinking about it. It reminds me of like that, um, that sequence in Shaun of the Dead, you know, before Shaun realizes that the apocalypse is occurring and he's kind of just wandering around in like the city and uh, you kind of see people running by, but he's just kind of like hung over and kind of blind to everything. And I feel like basically this whole film is sort of, you know, people kind of fucking each other over while, you know, just off screen, the apocalypse is happening. Yeah, no, I I have a feeling that this film is, it's very much a representative of, like, the worst case scenario of the Reagan 80s. It's it's like the ass end of that. It it really is a dystopian film. Well, it's it's a dystopia that doesn't necessarily feel like it has to be... It's presumably kind of set in 1984 in Los Angeles, and, you know, but we're not told that. You know, it's it really kind of exists in this sort of like side timeline. That's sort of a comment mm-hmm. on that, but and I mean, I think there are pretty clear indications that it's kind of set in that time and place, um, just yeah. based on kind of who the, some of the characters are. But I mean, it it really is kind of about the way that early '80s Los Angeles was itself this like kind of dystopia. That's the whole yeah. point. You know? And so it uses some of those tropes and some of the. I mean, just the desert imagery itself is sort of intrinsic to i mean this is one of the few films uh, of its kind one of the few films that's like set and like actually shot in la that actually looks like it's set in a grungy dingy shitty part of la there's no like beautiful like let's look at the la skyline in this film it's all like this is what it is to be poor and living in like a really yeah. shitty neighborhood like, l- 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 listen daniel my wife is praying that we have to get my car out of this bad area right now. We we, we have to do that. We have to get <laughs> this area that you're actively walking through yeah. while you're just wandering from one place to another. I can't be in this bad area where you live. Yeah, sir. but I mean, help me drive, Eddie. I'll give you twenty five dollars, which even adjusting for inflation is only like fifty dollars. By the right. way, you know. And, well, the, and the he just goes, thing. yeah, yeah, sure. For fifty bucks, I'll go wherever you know. I'll steal a car. Who cares? You know, yeah, it's no, fine. The funny thing is, because like, so Otto is this dumb, entitled white boy suburban punk who discovers that he doesn't have a security net. He basically he discovers that his parents gave all this money away to this televangelist, and now he has no prospects for the future. So he he gets sucked into <laughs> not, the, not that he really did in the first. No, place. not so even. Let's, let's let's be. I mean, again, a thousand dollars to go to community college or whatever. You know, well, no, a thousand dollars was to go to Europe if he completed school. Right, right. That's well, what it was. I can't imagine a thousand dollars to get too very far. Like I don't No, but yeah. I mean th- this 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 guy's a dumbass. So I mean yeah, he's yeah, not yeah. even thinking that far ahead. But the, the funny thing is when he gets sucked into the repo job, 
he basically asked Bud, who is Harry Dean Stanton, so what do you get for a car? Like, uh, you know, 40 bucks or something like that. And then Harry Dean Stanton's like, no, no, fuck it. You get a car, you, you get like, uh, you don't get paid, you get commission. And uh, commission's like, you know. <laughs> and commission's better. He's such a fucking capitalist, like right. this man, you know, like. But but when he quotes when he quotes commission prices, it's basically what he would have paid him anyway, uh, comparatively. Because he right, says yeah. if you get a Cadillac, you might get five hundred dollars out of a five thousand dollar Cadillac. But otherwise, he says most of the cars you get are like three or four hundred dollars. That's ten percent. That's what he was paying him anyway. Yeah, to bring him in. But yeah, you get you get ten percent of the value of the car just to like take it from the person who's behind on their payments and drive it to, you know, the yeah no the, the whole repo industry. I mean, I'm I'm sure we could talk about that if you if you want to like yeah. dig into that. But uh, I don't know. I love Harry Dean Stanton's character, and I think okay. uh, on this rewatch, I mean, he kind of is introduced as sort of the wise old man who's going to give actual life lessons in the repo code, and um. Certainly on the rewatch, you kind of get Emilio Estevez. You know, Otto's listening, but he's not doing any of this shit. Like, he's, no. like he's 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 kind of Bud is very much a character who has his rules and kind of thinks, or at least says he thinks that everybody's kind of doing the same thing. But he's just as misguided about that. I mean, he's he's quoting John Wayne. He's kind of doing this thing, and he's kind of doing the you know people live by a code of honor. But fuck that, nobody else is doing that. He's the only one doing that. Actually, my favorite character of this is uh, Cyrus. Richardson is light. He's uh-huh. the uh, he, he's he's the black repo man uh, who also <laughs> he's the black character. He's not actually the, he's the, the black, black guy, character, but yeah. he's the black guy in the film. Yeah, there's yeah, another but, amazing uh, black character who I hope we we'll, talk about. Oh, you know, we will, we will, okay, we definitely okay. will. Yeah, he he's my favorite character because he he's the anti repo man. He has so he does is he a, is he a black exploitation actor? Because I've never, I'm, I, I don't know him from anything else. Uh, I mean, the other black character we'll talk about is definitely a black exploitation actor. But um, I found that out in in uh, doing the the basic research on this, and went, yeah, there are some of these films we have to watch because right, I do not right. know from anything, and she's amazing. So yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, yeah, Cy Richardson as light, he's kind of the anti repo man. He's the other side of the coin for Otto, and Otto is uh, sort of half half the time riding with him and half the time riding with bud so light is always fuck this repo man code i have my own goddamn code and this is the one you should subscribe to uh oh and there's also a dig at uh scientology here i, I don't know if you saw that <laughs> diuretics <anyway>. yeah diuretics <laughs> instead of dianetics yeah uh no, no, no one on this podcast wants to be sued by the venerable church of scientology please do not right, sue yeah, us for saying anything negative about clearly um, no one thinks anything negative about Scientology on this podcast, except We're... that it's complete fucking bullshit. And go watch the uh, documentaries about uh, uh, going clear, going clear, and uh, my Scientology movie with uh, uh, Louis Thoreau. Check out right, those two but, films. But we're, we're, we're all pro Zeno here. Uh, 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 fucking John Travolta all, is all, a- all hell Zeno. Yeah, was, all, all hell Zeno. Uh, say that to him to his yeah. face. Uh, yeah. Uh, John Travolta is our favorite actor. Not 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 a cult. Not a, not cult. a cult of personality. Not a cult at all. Never. Not at all. Not at all. But diuretics is one of the best jokes I've seen in a while. <laughs> yeah. Pretty good, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. 
Did you read that fucking including game including game? including the the graphic? If you if you like uh, look at the 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 cover on that book, yeah, uh, burning like that's a uh, that's amazing. That's an amazing <laughs> cover. Uh, but but I I just love how he doesn't subscribe to any of the like code of the Repo Man. He's got his own code, and I love how he fucks with Otto at, at the beginning. Is here give this chick this bag and he drops a dead rat in the chick's car and she just sprays him a mace and then he just drives the fuck off because he's hazing him basically it's it's fucking awesome i I love that character and i love how uh they go to get a car later and someone in the house shoots at auto trying to take the car and the guy just starts shooting back and then later on i just got blanks in this fucking gun sometimes blanks are better than you know actually using live ammo or whatever (laughs) <laughs> you like, don't you don't actually risk hurting anybody and like going to prison for the rest of your life and uh you scare them away so you can just take their car so yeah and when you know if you're in this business it's just kind of one of those decisions you make right yeah yeah, yeah sure okay uh, filled with blanks it's fine yeah and i love how this kind of this business fits into the sort of dystopia idea of this film where crime is just rampant in this film if if you can get it like a good job it's just like some sort of bullshit fucking grocery job or whatever I mean, and I'm, 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 work in a grocery store yeah, yeah i don't know uh, i'm speaking of this guy who works in a grocery store and i have a little comment on the, that grocery we, store by the way we have we have both worked in grocery stores in our <laughs> lives i not to the degree that you have but you yeah. have both worked in grocery stores but, um, I mean, the really good job, like the repo job, is no better than crime itself because basically these are just legal criminals. Well, uh, Light, uh, Sir Richardson, he even has the line, which I think is a really kind of telling line, which you can miss if you, you blink and you miss it. But, you know, he's talking about the sort of the Hispanic gang that uh, they're doing, quote unquote, war with over, like, taking the cars. And basically mm. he's they're car thieves just like us that's yeah, with the, these. You, know, you know and uh i mean he's he's just kind of like yeah this is what i do i'm i'm you know just making you know i have i have we exist in the same quasi legal status and that's yeah. like completely reinforced by the scene where the two groups actually do have their uh kind of confrontation everything is just going to be kind of a kind of like a street battle until right. suddenly it's like oh no you damaged this car oh by the way this isn't a repo we own this motherfucker. Yeah, now. we own this thing. We own this thing, and suddenly, like now, you've actually you've now done something that can be noticed by the actual like right. You, you've crossed the line into the real and, world, right? Exactly. Whereas uh, otherwise, like the entire film exists in this gray area of nothing really matters, and everything right. is complete bullshit because all of these people are existing in the gray areas of the law, basically just trying to scratch to survive. Mm-hmm. And um, I mean, again, it's one of those things where, again, I completely missed. I mean, not that I missed the plot point on the first watch, but kind of missed the meaning of it. And I and I think that being a little more politically engaged has kind of given me the, the sort of the read to get this on a much much more on a second viewing. So uh, yeah, I love how like it, it kind of presents that it, it brings in this, this conspiracy theory shit in, as part of the plot. You have the men in black who are all like blonde Nazi looking motherfuckers who coincidentally kind of look like Donald Trump. Their hair and shit like it, it's just kind of a weird uh, <laughs> kind of. Well, they, they, look, they, they look like the the kind of preppy douchebags who. Right. I mean. There is this kind of thing in eighties movies where um, you know the the guys in the the suits like the suit jackets and the the pens and the you know you know, look at any like college movie made in the eighties 
yeah. preppy house, you know, et cetera. You know, um, <laughs> that's just kind of what bad guys look like in movies in this in this time period. Yeah. And uh, you know, it is it is ironic that modern day actual neo Nazis just embrace that image and go, yeah, yeah no, really, this is yeah. what we want to look like, yeah. Uh, but but I love how the the whole world kind of dangles on the edge of being eradicated in this film. By it's, it's not exactly clear what's in the trunk. They make sort of a little bit of a plot point saying like, oh, some people believe it's dead alien bodies in the trunk. Uh-huh. And, and I should describe for people who some someone might be listening to this and not seen the fucking film. Um, there's this basically nuclear scientist who is driving this car and he's being tracked by the government and uh this car is highly radiated because of the shit then that's in his trunk and he's going crazy he basically interacts with some of the main characters in this uh story as he's being chased by the government and also alex cox is not necessarily clear on what's going on in this film he hints towards alien dead bodies but if you look at like some of the dvd extras and stuff uh, a lot of this influence is actually from the creator of the neutron bomb. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And so the idea of the, uh, a bomb that could be fit in a suitcase, which could eradicate all organic life in a city and leave the building standing kind of idea. So it, it's a little confused. Uh, is the idea that uh, the neutron bomb is maybe powered by dead alien bodies or something like that? I don't quite know, but, um, I mean, it's it's kind of deliberately ambiguous, right? You yeah. Know, but, but kind of what's going on. I mean, I kind of took it to mean, you know, and I'm kind of interpreting this on a slightly literal level, you know, but I kind of took it to mean like this guy, he kind of learned, oh, he's this scientist who helped develop the neutron bomb and he's kind of going crazy, but he's kind of kept working in the industry because like, what else do you do? And then, uh, you know, aliens crash land or something. And, uh, you know, he's like taking the bodies for his own like purposes because right. he's just kind of going mad and like they just happen to be you know i mean you could you could read it a lot of different ways basically uh, uh, but daniel he had a lobotomy and he feels much better now well <laughs> i i would imagine you would really <laughs> that just reminds me of uh <laughs> that reminds me of the original gomez adams uh <laughs> who always had that line in some episodes like he did something but he feels much better now uh it's such it's such a fucking great fucking performance though from uh what's his name fox harris i believe yeah as as j frank purnell he's the nuclear scientist who is driving this car full of this uh radioactive whatever the fuck it is that uh interacts with several characters mcafonium it's in the it's in the trunk. Yeah, That's really what it is. Yeah. It, it's it's just a radioactive MacGuffin, basically. Yeah. Um, and and I and love it. it. Like, and it's the kind of magic ra- radioactivity that will close the trunk after. You know, <laughs> right. The trunk opens. It kills somebody, and then the trunk magically closes. So yeah. You know. So so also you kind of get the idea. Maybe there is an alien intelligence involved somewhere. Like it's purposeful, well, especially but... since like the ending kind of does become. Yeah, so so there's there's definitely a uh, a kind of I don't want to say spiritual, but kind of a spiritual element. Well, yeah, kind of like, it, 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 and, it, like you know. this is Alex Cox. Alex Cox is a leftist. He's uh, sort of oh a really? Anti- 
yeah, he's he's yeah. he's a, he's a leftist anti-capitalist. I'm I'm sure you're really surprised by. I'm you know. I'm shocked. Yeah. I'm shocked. I, I mean, uh, a lot of people have, have called him basically just a flat-out communist. Um, yeah, I know. I'm, but, I'm I'm shocked. Yeah, <laughs> but I mean, uh, I think fucking... one of the differences between the first time I saw this film and rewatching it today was I've moved much further to the left, and I definitely like get this film much more. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Right, but yeah, but yeah, I mean, fucking, I I totally lost my train of thought. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. That's my that's my job is to just make you lose your train of thought. Yeah. yeah. Um. I, I feel I feel like the socio political stuff is all kind of on the surface, but I'll talk about right. it anyway. Just uh, just to kind of you know get us into that you know direction, and yeah. just to uh, make sure that no other podcast can uh, say they didn't take it from us. That's the that's the looking goal. at you, Darren Wilson. Yeah. <laughs> no, my. Uh, I mean, this, this is uh, May 1984. The 1984 election, Reagan won 49 out of 50 states. You know, right. like yeah. the world was kind of turning into a dystopia if you were not, you know, a fairly well-off white person in, in yeah. America at the time. The threat of nuclear war hung over us. It was ever-present. Mm-hmm. I, was, I was born in 1980, so I don't remember this personally. I don't have any kind of memories of this time period, but I have memories of not that much later. And some of my earliest memories were of, you know, Cold War era, you know, people being scared of nuclear bombs sort of thing. Also, you know, the whole idea that he becomes a repo man and a repo man is basically a class traitor. And uh, I think, you know, Otto recognizes that immediately when he kind of, you know, like, fuck you, I'm not a repo man. I'm not going to do this because, you know, I'm not going to work for the agencies that are going to take stuff from people who are literally just in poverty, people who can't make, who can't pay their bills, you know, who doesn't like pay their, their bill on their cars, people who can't pay their bill on their car. Like nobody chooses to, except for like the guy who owns the laundromats and that yeah. guy. it's like, fuck that guy, you know? Yeah. There's a definitely, you know, almost communist, uh, you know, vibe to this film which i totally dug so there's the there's this this sort of poverty element there's this you know everything is just kind of shit there's the nuclear side of it um there's also the sort of the aging hippie side which is something right. that is really can't be overstated and even the sort of new agey you know kind of spiritual element definitely feels like it's sort of this holdover from the 70s this is something we've talked about a couple of times yeah th- this is the uh the sort of granola spiritual hippie thing kind of transforms into acceptance of like a sort of more, more cult mentality evangelism yeah. kind of thing going well, on. Well, even even like uh, Otto's parents, you know, they're yeah, that's I mean, the thing. Yeah, clearly, I mean, they're sitting and smoking weed. I mean, there's also quite a bit of drug use in this film, which I, I mean, I was rewatching it. I was surprised at like just how much. Like, I mean, they're just doing coke just because you know. Yeah. Otto's parents are sitting there smoking weed, watching TV, and they're fucking dying the wool hippies. Yeah, but the evangelist is going about. We we've got to defeat the the, the communist liberal socialist fucking uh, agenda. And, and, and this was this was kind of the thing that happened for a lot of you know the, the hippies. Kind of you know the sixties ended. They they kind of went into the seventies. They became flower children and sort of like. Mm-hmm. Oh, we and, believe in environmental and, causes and that sort of yeah, thing, but and, uh, lot, they kind of were reaching out for respectability. And yeah. I mean, basically, Alex P. Keaton's parents. I mean, that's it's the right. same. Yeah, yeah, they they became uh, like middle class or upper middle class 
and they had security. I mean, looking looking at looking at Otto's parents, I mean, they're they're clearly not like upper middle class. I mean, they're, they they didn't get that far off the. They're they're you know, they, you know the, they're, they're they're middle class though. I'd I'd say. Oh yeah, I mean they're comfortable. They've got I mean, they got a house in the suburbs. Like what else do you want, right? You know? I mean um, I mean th- they promised Otto a future, and then when Otto's uh you, you know how you said you give me a thousand dollars if I completed school, and I mean there, there's kind of the impetus there that he he might have a college fund coming or something like that, yeah, after yeah, that yeah. right? Yeah. It's like no, Otto. We gave all that money away to, and and we we did it in your name. Where we're going to be on the honor roll of uh, heaven or whatever the fuck is like. Right. Yeah. No. No. I mean, it's it's just it's it's kind of connected to that, and you c- contrast that with Miller. Tracy Walter is Miller, who, whatever you say about his sort of mental state, I mean, half of what he says seems brilliant and half of what he says seems ridiculous, which is a lot of those aging hippies. You know, like it's just, it's just that, you know, done a lot of drugs or or just, he's just kind of on his own wavelength. Or do you, uh, do you eat a lot of acid Miller in the hippie days, you know? I mean, and, and Bud doesn't even, or probably Otto doesn't even really take it seriously. You know, he's, no. I feel like I feel like the two names, like Harry Dean Stanton, should be named Otto, and Emilio Estevez should be named Bud. I feel like, <laughs> I feel like, Bud. Well, is the I name. mean, the, here here's the, here's the whole thing. It's like if if you actually look at the entire Repo Man crew, they're all actually named after brands of American beer, and Otto's the odd man out. Oh, yeah. that's interesting. Oh, yeah. I'm I'm looking at it now. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> but i mean yeah fucking um the thing about Otto is that he, he's kind of a cipher to a certain degree where he doesn't really have a personality so much like it, it kind of gets injected into him depending on who he meets up with uh-huh. um and well he's a kid he's a kid yeah, who doesn't he's, he's a dumb kid. my favorite bit about i mean and this is this is on um Emilio Estevez's performance. Say what you will about Emilio Estevez. Like he's he's actually really good in this. I love Emilio um, Estevez. <laughs> we got to do the Mighty Ducks movies at some point. That's no, we don't. The... We don't have to do that. <laughs> <laughs> don't make I... me hate Emilio Estevez. Okay, okay, fair enough, fair enough. But uh, at least we got to do Minute Work at some point. Yeah, that I, I'm on board with that. The Mighty Ducks series, or at least like the first two, I grew up on. And this yeah. is the first thing I've ever suggested to Lee. Like, oh yeah, we got to do those. Only went fuck that. We're not doing that. Yeah, no, we're not doing the Mighty Ducks. That's not happening. Um, my favorite bit about him is, you know, he kind of shows up and he, he starts becoming a repo man, and he's wearing like a t-shirt. Bud says, hey, "You got to wear like a suit, you know, because like if people think you're like a detective and they think you're right. armed, then they they're gonna respect you and they're not gonna like shoot at you and shit." And so, like, he starts wearing like a shirt and tie, and he kind of like does the thing, but he doesn't really like take to it. And yeah. like, my favorite scene of him, like, just as an actor, is when he's uh, pretending to be like from the finance company, and he's got like his files, and he's got his briefcase, and he's kind of doing his thing. But he's very clearly, you know, just the poor kid who doesn't really know how to do this. It yeah. doesn't have the the, the the instincts of like how to close a briefcase. And so the second like he has to get the fuck out of there, he's just completely lost. It's uh it's a but, great I mean, little bit of business. also the also the, the interesting thing there is like he actually really takes to like becoming a repo man. Like he, he gets the instincts of what he has to do to get a car. So, I mean, he, he's sitting there talking to that poor old lady who, you know, hasn't... We find out all the money she's owes for the car she's been giving to her sons who are in that band or whatever. Yeah. And, and <laughs> you sort of hear that conversation going 
on when he comes outside of the house. And he, he tries to take the car. And unfortunately, the car is up in a fucking jack, so he can't take it away. So he gets beat up by the fucking band. But you, you see Otto actually takes to being a repo man. Like, he gets the instincts down. He knows what he has to do. He just made a fucking bad mistake. <laughs> it's just at a certain point, you just kind of realize, like, uh, come back tomorrow. You know, right. Like, like, yeah. You know, there are better ways to do this. You know, you, you gotta you gotta get the car, but mm, maybe let this one let this one slide for a day or two. You know. Yeah. I do. Uh, it does kind of bring up. I, I do now. Now that scene in particular gets a little bit uncomfortable, and that it kind of plays on the trope of black people are inherently you know kind of scary and dangerous. That's such an eighties trope. It's just such a like thing that like goes. Well, yeah, the and, and and they also play on that. Uh... Where later on, uh, Bud and Otto are in the car and they're driving by and, and Bud's going about like, Bud's been fired by the repo company at this point. And uh-huh. he, he just goes like, look at all these motherfuckers. They all owe money. And I, I wish I could find a way to make them all owe money. And I was like, they're, they're just fucking winos. They don't have any money. What are you talking about? But but is never more unlikable and John right. like than he was in that moment, you know. Yeah. <laughs> you know, um, because he is he is just kind of this uh, kind of open, you know. I believe in the system, and I believe you know I have this code this code of ethics, which is don't damage the car. That's yeah. his code of ethics, basically, which is essentially. I don't care what I'm doing to the people who like use this mm-hmm. for transportation to get to work and use this for whatever. My whole like goal in life is to protect the vehicle's integrity for the real owners, you know, which is, you know, I mean, the, the guy is kind of disgusting, you know? When, he is, when, yeah, you know, no, you're, you're, you're totally right. I mean, he, he's a dyed in the wool believer in the capitalist system. What I was saying was that despite that kind of moment of uh, this gets a little bit racially uncomfortable, there are a lot of really cool black people in this film. And I think there are two of them we should talk about. Well, we've already talked about one, Light uh, Cy Richardson, but um, certainly um, Vonda McGee is Marlene, um, who kind of shows up. She's just kind of in the film for the first like hour or so. And then she really gets a nice... Uh, Almost kind of co-leading role in the second half. There, there is a subplot in this film that was sadly dumped by the end. Alex Cox is very uh, interested in uh, Latin American revolution. Like he, he was very much <laughs> because in, he's a leftist. Yep, all right. Because yeah. he's a leftist communist. Yeah, because he's a leftist in the eighties. Yeah, we all are interested in Latin American revolution. That's fine. yeah. So I mean, there was some of that in this film. Like there's hints of that throughout the film. But it never really materialized. I mean, to what she's he was... effectively a Black Panther in certain sequences, you know. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. A strong vibe of that. Yeah. The, the final product of the film never really materializes to what he had, had sort of intended for this. But still, uh, Vanetta McGee's character is actually part of a uh, sort of militant underground Latino group with the Rodriguez brothers. And you see a little bit of that, and you'll see a little bit of hint of that. And <laughs> Biggie doesn't take shit from nobody in this film. <laughs> oh no, she does not. Um, she's great, and um, I definitely want to watch uh, more of her films. As uh, you know, as we go forward, let's let's put that again on the on the. Oh yeah, let's do that soon list. Definitely, definitely yeah. So let's let's talk with fucking ladies in this film. Let us, shall we, talk about the ladies in this film? Yeah, uh, I mean, clearly the most important is uh, Otto's mom. <laughs> just so much, such a rich 
arc. Uh, such a such a fascinating character. She, she goes and, from uh, sitting on the couch to sitting on the couch with cobwebs on her. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, shall we start with uh, Layla, Layla, or shall we start with Debbie? I want to start with Layla. Like honestly, like for me, this is this is your podcast, but this is definitely your episode, and I I really want you to kind of do your thing. Tell me, tell me why you love Layla. She is Layla. Fuck. Um, yes. She's an idealist. She is, you know, she's been part of this fucking movie before this movie started. Like she has her mm-hmm. own story and background. Yeah. Like shit has been happening before this movie even started. She's a she's part of the sort of UFO conspiracy thing. And you kind of imagine this movie is like part of like a TV series, like one right. episode or like two episodes of a like a like a 13 episode arc that's all about this briefcase bomb or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. I love how she's introduced and how she doesn't do a lot to spell out the plot of the film. She adds to the confusion to a certain degree, but at the same time kind of uh, illuminates certain things. And I, I think that's a credit to Alex Cox where it's like, let's not get too specific. Let's not necessarily spell everything out for everybody but let's give them enough hints to what's going on. And I love how she's like scared of the uh, men in black with the fucking blonde hair who are driving around. <laughs> she's driving around of auto and she sees them and it's like, holy shit. And she ducks down. Those, those guys will kill me if they see me and shit. And it's so kind of really know who she is because then later on she's working with the sort of the, well, she's the, kind of the government kind of, or the aliens or whatever. You yeah, know. She's, she's kind of trapped into it because they need her for information. And yeah. at the same time, you know, she, she makes that statement. Uh, are you going to torture me? No, I would torture me if, you know, like <laughs> I, I would torture people if, if, if I needed to get the information. And, and then later on, she has the opportunity to torture Otto. And she rightly so does it because Otto treats her like shit in the movie. <laughs> oh, and, he does, definitely. Yeah, because Otto's just... <laughs> what, am I not going to get a blowjob? Like, yeah. Come on, come on. Aren't yeah. you getting a blowjob? Uh, like, uh, by the way, by the way, any... The answer to anyone saying, aren't you going to give me a blowjob? The answer is always no. It yeah, really yeah, should, yeah. Said, said in that statement... With the tidy whities at that, like you get, you gotta upgrade your underwear game at the very least. Also, trivia note here: apparently, from what Alex Cox has said, Emilio Estevez was very fond of walking around the set wearing those tidy whities and nothing else. <laughs> I, I believe that. I believe that. <laughs> uh, but he, he was the big swinging dick of this production in more ways than one. Right. Right. Yeah, she's great. I love how I, mean, I love how real she is, like as a as a as a person. Uh, I mean, you're uh, right. That, like, there's kind of there's a story that, be, you know, this is one chunk of her story, and she kind of, right. but she's a real person kind of coming into it. She's a real person leaving the story. We're following Otto around because, like, he's our lead in this movie, but really, he's kind of the least interesting character in a lot of ways. Yeah, you know, he's just kind of like a weird focal point that all these characters bounce off of. I mean, we, we just kind of begin with him getting the repo job. We don't begin with that, but we kind of begin with him getting the repo job right. or kind of finding the reason to get the repo job and then end with him leaving the planet. And, uh, yeah. you know, ultimately, life here on Earth, this apocalypse that's happening here on Earth will, you know, existed before and after him. Leela is the Layla. 
is the representation of that. You know, she's she clearly knows more than than he does. She knows more than almost anybody in the film. Some of her motives are a little bit uh, mysterious to me. You know, maybe I just haven't watched it enough. And some of her kind of interconnections and relationships, some of what's going on here. But you know, she's she's a real. I love how earthy she is. I love how she kind of rejects Otto's advances. And then you know when he's like, "Hey, you want to get in the back seat?" And she's like, "Okay." <laughs> But, but like, you know, that's so many times that's basically just like male power fantasy of like, hey, you want, right. you know, the cute girl gets to fuck me. And it's not that it isn't that here, but I think uh, Olivia uh, Bra- Brash kind of gives the, ah, it's fun for her too. And then like later on when he's kind of coming out to her again, she's like, didn't we already do this? Like, I'm done with right, you, dude. Right, like, yeah, you know, no. Come on, I, I, come I on think... white boy. I'm, I've had enough of your like shitty sex. It's fine. Right, no, I, I, think the, I think the film makes a pretty clear statement that she's not enticed by Otto. She's not entranced by him. It's, yeah, I'll have fun with you, but otherwise it's, you know, fuck you. It's kind of a convenient thing more than anything Yeah, there, there, this isn't a romance. And that's, no, a, no. that's a, you know, this, this is a, you know, oh, it was convenient. We had a good time. Whatever. It's a fun little moment, and it's over. You know, yeah, yeah no, I, I do, I do love her. I do love her. Yeah, and I mean, yeah, she definitely knows more than anybody else in this uh, sort of, sort of thing. But also, it's kind of interesting that being part of this like sort of UFO conspiracy cult thing, she desires to be the one who goes in the car at the end, and mm-hmm. she's kind of pissed off that Otto gets to be the one who goes in the car, which means that like. I mean, she could have gone with him hypothetically. Yeah. Like, you know, and also, like, there's some, like, prophecy where they knew this was going to happen, you know, which means that, like, this sort of idea that, like, everything's connected and everything's a plan and maybe this cult, like, actually does have some. I mean, there's a real, again, the film suggests a lot that it doesn't say. Right. In in the sense of, you know, there is this sort of background. There's more going on to this than than we know, and it's just because we're again following around this like dumbass, you know, <laughs> auto that we just kind of we don't really get the the, the backstory, but it works uh, in a cinematic sense, you know. Yeah. Um, uh, so how about uh, Jennifer uh, Bell Gobbin as Debbie, as the, uh, oh. the the female punk rocker who is part of the uh, oh. uh, former friends. I love her so much. She's yeah, she's so, so good, doesn't she? I mean, a and, and I, I hate to, I hate for it to like start with this, but she's fucking gorgeous. Oh yeah, I mean, and she's clearly like the smartest one of this drug stealing gang. The uh, the two like white boys that are with her are just kind of fuck ups. Um, yeah. I love her look. I love her attitude. I love the performance. Uh, I looked her up, and she does not do a whole lot. I mean, no. she. she she has a few movies. She could have become a star after this, and I kind of get the feeling that maybe, maybe there was a um, when when a you know a gorgeous young black woman is in a kind of cult movie in 1984 and is amazing in it, and then kind of never really goes on and does anything else. I kind of get like, ah, uh, she probably refused to play the game. We didn't sleep with the people she needed to get right. to sleep with. Yeah, that happens, sounds, right? Sounds legit. Yeah. And so uh, it's it's kind of it's it's sad in the sense of like it would be nice if you know that was going to happen. Yeah, if we got to see you know her and more stuff, but because um, she's so good in this, she is really great in this. I mean, it turns out. I mean, I looked at her Wikipedia page, or not her Wikipedia page, but her IMDb page, because she doesn't have a Wikipedia page. You know? oh. But I looked at her on IMDb, and she was like, you know, she went to law school. You know? yeah. <laughs> like did eighteen months, and then went back to modeling and did all this kind of stuff. So yeah. it's kind of a you know. Oh wait, I might have that confused with somebody else. So don't 
that's probably oh, wrong. Whoa. That's probably wrong. You should probably just cut that out of the the episode. <laughs> you no, know, leave or it. leave it in. And that didn't happen. That was somebody else I looked up who went. That to was Boston. some other dude. Yeah. That was that was uh, that was the one for one of the lesbian movies. <laughs> like watched <laughs> fifteen minutes of earlier. My apologies there, but um, yeah, no, she so. she's really good. I I really like her in the film. I really love the like the shoot the the Mexican shootout scene. Um, mm-hmm. which might be one of those things where you're like, oh yeah, Tarantino kind of took this from that moment. Although I yeah. think it's more Tarantino and Cox are kind of, you know, kind of taking from the same sources. Um, but I do love the, the sort of the chaos of that, where it's like, there are a bunch of people with guns. I mean, and this is something, not that we have any experience with this in America of like people just no, never doing things, you know, <laughs> but, um, this idea that, you know, when you're in this situation, you got like a bunch of people with guns pointing them at each other and who's going to end up alive at the end is, is, is a literal crapshoot. You know, it's yeah. just, well, you know, you, you get to walk away or you don't, you know, and uh, she gets to walk away and she's, I don't know. I just, I just love her. I love, I love the performance. It's not even like, it's not like you, you look at that character on the page. What does she actually do? What does she actually say? And it's, yeah, not a lot, you know, No, but, but, but she, because she inhabits it, you know, I mean, her character comes more from, like, the reaction of the men that she uses uh-huh. uh, for her own gain. She basically just spends the entire movie using dudes for her own gain, and she does it successfully. I mean, she she is always in control, even in really bad situations. She's always in control. Like, yep. there, there's actually, like, a, a cut scene where... I think it's Archie actually who's like romancing her. Uh, Debbie's like just totally in control of all these assholes. Like <laughs> she's way smarter well, than actually, all. She has to be. I mean, basically, yeah. just to just to survive at that point. And uh, yeah, no, I I love the character. I love the actress. I wish she'd done more. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, you know, I just love the sort of crime vignettes with these guys. And it's one of those things that I think, again, on sort of the first viewing, I didn't really get the connections, right? You know, right. where it just kind of feels like, oh, we're just kind of walking past the this trio kind of doing crimes, right? You know, and not understanding that, like, oh, all of this is sort of connected on this sort of thematic level underneath, you know, where what they're doing is they want drugs because like they're in this lifestyle or they're selling them or, you know, doing whatever, but they're stealing from this big pharmaceutical company, which still exists in this like little shitty like neighborhood in, in yeah. Los Angeles because it's that kind of movie. At the same time, they're, you know, they're not really doing anything that anybody else in the film isn't doing, but we're supposed to kind of wag our finger at them. So socially because, uh, you know, they're stealing things quote unquote and you know it's yeah. not that i'm like trying to say like oh yes it's totally justified to steal drugs if you want them kids but you know it, it does uh it does kind of speak to the the politics of the moment right you know yeah yeah uh i think we already kind of spoke on Vanetta mcgee though um we did i really want to watch some more of her stuff so mm-hmm. put 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 some favorites of hers on the list Maybe we do the the episode with uh fuck the big sleep the uh, the library girl <laughs> the bookstore girl from the big sleep uh, right yeah and I'm I'm totally liking this one because I I want to say Deborah I want to say Deborah McGee but it's not Deborah McGee no it's no no else, you know but maybe we do uh, the episode with her and then we do uh, Vanetta McGee episode I would love to do that that'd be cool so, too I'm yeah. I'm on board for that yeah that'd be great yeah, let's let's have let's have more awesome women. 
in our movies in this uh, yeah. series. Yeah. There's so much in this film, and I feel like this is something like we could dissect almost minute by minute and kind of talk about. Look, we haven't really talked about the use of the punk scene in this film, and uh, I know you said you kind of grew up with the, that kind of music and that kind of attitude. Yeah. I didn't, um, so I kind of come at this, you know, as a slight alien. But I've I've definitely. Uh, you know, I know enough people, certainly online, who kind of were a part of that scene, and I'm, you know, I really wish I'd been a part of it, you know, as a teenager. But I just, I'm just alien to it. Love, I really love the portrait. Like from what I understand, like yeah, that feels really authentic. You know. Like, yeah. No. Feel- this. This is um, Alex Cox really captured a sort of moment with this film, and no. the soundtrack of, of this film actually was a big part of the success of this film. Uh, because it originally sort of debuted in theaters and it didn't necessarily do that great, but the success of the soundtrack actually allowed this film to be re-released in theaters and actually yeah. go on to do what it did. And yeah, the the punk soundtrack for this is basically filled with bands that I love. Like, I mean, Iggy Pop did the sort of title for this and the end track of this like well the instrumental start of this is uh like steve jones from the sex pistols and a couple other people but then iggy pop did the end titles of this uh the repo man titles and then you have like the circle jerks the plugs uh fear uh all kinds of other sort of bands and it's it's a neat collection too because it's like an anglo and then Latino sort of collection of uh, punk groups uh, from the early 80s. And it really does sort of become kind of a landmark punk rock film at the same time because of that. Actually, I just love this film so much. It's one of my favorite films. It's probably my favorite film of the 1980s. That's that's respectable. And, uh, well, it's not my favorite film of the 80s. I do understand how it could be yours. I'm actually really excited that you like it as much as you do. Yeah, I which which I do. I I don't know if I'm kind of coming across as like I really enjoyed this rewatch. I mean, you know, again, I feel like it is kind of one where uh, I appreciate it and enjoy it and and really like it and kind of get a lot out of it. I love the the sort of the political takes on it. Mm. I love some of the stuff that's in it, and uh, you know, I would definitely kind of be revisiting this over time. But I didn't. It, I, I never like saw this at a time when it would have, you know, really hit me hard. You know, um, right? And that's that's always a personal decision. You know, every yeah, everybody's yeah. favorite film is a, is kind of you know that's that's something that has meaning for you. And I, I never argue with that. So you know, I did love getting to rewatch this um, because if you hadn't said like, oh yeah, we got to fucking do Repo Man, I might not have said, oh yeah, let's let's sit down and. And do Repo Man. I, I might not have ever watched this again without uh, you saying let's do it. So that's just the joy of like having other film fans who come at things from different angles. Is like, oh yeah, I'll revisit this uh, just to sit and talk about it with you. And uh, this has been a really, really great experience. Um, again, there's a lot of stuff we didn't even touch on in this film, but I feel yeah. like we're, we're kind of reaching the end of our kind of discussion yeah. on it. I think and, we're um, good. Yeah. I think we're okay. I think we're okay. Yeah. yeah. Um, Go through some trivia here. So for yeah. the uh, the Chevy you Malibu. Can, you can hear uh, how inebriated Lee is, and he's still doing the trivia, you know? I am. He could, he could record this later and, like, stick it on the end. And, I'm not going uh, to quit now. It's, it's, it's not, fucking, it's 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 fucking Repo it's Man. And we're probably, probably going to have another drink. Here's, here's what the audience doesn't 
happened always, you know. It's like <laughs> what happens is after we finish recording, we sit and have more notes about these films. Like, I can't believe I didn't mention this thing until, you know, when we were talking about it. Because we just sit and drink for like half an hour or an hour or like four hours after recording. We're not gonna go yeah. four hours tonight, but you know, we'll we'll probably sit with a with a beer afterwards. And uh You've given away all of our secrets. No one will ever want to listen to us again. No, really, really what you have to do is start a Patreon and then like <laughs> we'll record we're recording after dark, which is just us like sitting and uh talking. And we'll the, release those only to the Patreon subscribers. The fifteen dollar tier. Listen to us talk about shit. I feel like there's like one person who'd pay for that, and that person is Mike Murphy. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's all right because you know technically he'd only be paying paying ten dollars because I'm already giving him five dollars every month for his Patreon. <laughs> I feel I feel like that's the thing. Yeah. So so give us the technical details and then. Like, let's finish with the audience, and then you and I'll talk about the movie when we're done. It'll be fine. Yeah, right. <laughs> uh, so, trivia for this special effects the car at the end. Mm-hmm. There was no real special effects with this one. It was basically, they basically painted it with uh, fluorescent uh, paint. Yes. Thank yeah. you. And then they <laughs> shine, shine some lights on it. Yeah. Yeah, and apparently it costs six hundred dollars per bucket that they use. I don't know how many buckets they use, but that's what it was. <laughs> so, like ten percent of the total cost of the movie was just yeah. on fluorescent paint. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Uh. So, uh, the character Miller talks about the cosmic unconsciousness. Uh, you'll be thinking about a plate of shrimp, and all of a sudden, someone will say plate, say plate, or shrimp, or plate of shrimp. Later, the two Latinos who stole the Asimov car park outside a diner, which features a huge sign in one of its windows that's reading "Plate of Shrimp, two ninety-five." Mm. <laughs> so, oh, I didn't catch that. Yeah, I, mean, I, I will say. I mean, that's that's basically the. Um, I mean, what he's talking about is this sort of like cosmic unconsciousness. I mean, that's very much this sort of nineteenth-century philosophical idea that yeah. Yeah, was common. I mean, this guy is totally new age and like totally, I don't want to say mainstream new age, but like this is, you know, very much of that world, right? You know, he, he, that's why he's allowed into the car and to drive it into the the stratosphere. Yeah. No, absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, He's got the, uh, the lattice of coincidence uh, right down. Yeah. (laughs) All the products used in this movie are generic, notable for their blue stripe on the white packaging. And black text. The filmmakers were uh, satirizing real life growing trends in America's grocery stores at the time. And that's just a thing. It's like generic products are kind of a thing in grocery stores, right? It's funny because in the actual shot in the film where they sort of zone in to the couple aisles that that scene is in, you notice all the rest of the fucking grocery store, normal products, where the products are just turned around so... You can't actually see what the fuck they are, but all of them are sort of that generic thing. That's not something Alex Cox, by the way, uh, invented. Those sort of generic products were already kind of mainstream at that point in 1984. So he he was just kind of sort of speaking on that idea of uh, grocery stores sort of bringing their own sort of in-store brand uh, cheap products that uh people could buy if they cannot afford like the real products i almost always buy generic grocery store brands of everything because it's basically the same shit with uh 
you know, a 30% markdown. So Yeah, yeah. Harry Dean standing his butt is like, at one point, let's let's go to get a drink. And he didn't, he buys like an eight-pack of something that says drink on the actual fucking can. <laughs> which, which is always great. I, I love the, uh, the generic, like, you know, <laughs> Malibu rum. You know, and uh, you know our dark rum, and you know, yeah. uh, it's a, in the in the liquor <laughs> store, and um, you know, I I love that it doesn't even say beer; it just says drink. You know, which yeah. is you know, uh, it's great. I also just love the the fact that basically, like that sequence of the film, have a conversation. He says, well, "Let's go get a drink." They buy a drink at the liquor store. They go and drive around in the like L.A. canyons, and then they get they have a little adventure there, and then they drive back to the same spot. After it's been robbed, <laughs> it's being robbed as they leave, and then it's been robbed when they come back, and uh, then they buy more drink. Yeah. Um, it's, just, it's a great little funny bit. It's yeah, it's, no, I mean this this film is actually really fucking hilarious <laughs> in a lot of parts. So uh, here's here's something. Here's a note. Uh, Harry Dean Stanton was apparently very difficult on this film, and uh, I can believe that. Yeah, and Harry Dean Stanton's known. He's a great actor. Uh, he was a great actor. Um, rest in peace, motherfucker. Uh, he he was he was known for being kind of a actor who wanted to improvise all this shit and yep. didn't take direction too well. So, in the scene which uh, Bud brandishes a baseball bat uh, against the Rodriguez brothers, uh, Harry Dean Stanton wanted a real bat and did actually use it in one take. Uh, swinging it around recklessly. Uh, the other cast members uh, were relatively, quote-unquote, okay with this, but one actor said that he felt the wind of the baseball bat uh, going uh, by his head and complained about it, and uh, Alex Cox uh, eventually... Uh, basically, he used subterfuge to get a fake bat into Herodine Stanton's hands, uh, for another take. And also, apparently, Alex Cox and Harry Dean Stanton had some other difficulties on this film uh, here and there. A lot of uh, really creative, clever people have that issue, right? You know, Yeah, I mean, yeah. You see that a lot, you know. Um, doesn't doesn't surprise me. Um, Harry Dean Stanton is great in this. I am not surprised at all He was that he was difficult to work with on the film. Yeah. He's also like largely kind of doing his own thing through big yeah. chunks of this film. Like he isn't with other actors a lot. You know, like if you told me that Emilio Estevez was difficult to work with in this film, I kind of be like, wow, that's kind of surprising. Yeah. He's in a lot of scenes with a lot of the people that he has at least some chemistry with. You know, even when it's sort of like this negative, kind of disgusting chemistry. You know, where he's doing shitty things. But Harry Dean Stanton, uh, yeah, he's mostly like in a car with Estevez or. By himself, and also Harry Dean Stanton has a kind of uh, bows out very silently in this film as well. He does, like he he just kind of gets killed, and and I mean I think that's kind of the greatest weakness of this film is the ending kind of just goes nowhere. Like it kind of it's it's kind of weird. The ending. I mean, we didn't really talk about the plot and the ending, but I mean, basically. The point is the journey to get there, and yeah. I think that's one of the things that the film really lacks is some kind of let's sum all this up, let's actually say something about this, you know, whereas I yeah. think that Alice Cox is kind of saying, well, 
you'll you'll rewatch it or it's all kind of been there and kind of buried underneath and you know it's all it'll kind of bubble up to the surface so the ending doesn't really matter but it really could use just i mean i don't need the film explained to me but i kind of need a little bit more than kind of what happens which is not all i mean it's kind of an impressive effect sequence and it's kind of interesting but it's also not so much. It it doesn't it doesn't quite do the thing that it's trying to do. It doesn't really explain what it's really trying to say, you know. And um Yeah. Which um, which is probably I mean ultimately kind of going back on what I just said is also kind of a positive in that it doesn't explain it, so it just kinda of lets us just kind of make our decision. You know, right, right. Going, you know, it is yeah. what it is, you know. Um, apparently on the commentary on the DVD, Alex Cox and the other cast members say that, uh, their favorite scene in this film is the John Wayne was a fag <laughs> conversation on this. Um, well, his, his name was Marion Morrison and anybody named Marion Morrison <laughs> was clearly, clearly eats ass. That's the thing. <laughs> but uh, apparently this was based on a story that someone told Alex Cox in real life. Uh, someone in the movie industry that knew him. So, hey, whatever. I mean, um, I don't. I mean, if I found out John Wayne was gay, I would actually like John Wayne more. I probably like him a lot more too. Is it? Yeah. <laughs> We've covered what? What? I think only one John Wayne film on this podcast, right. and that's yes. Stagecoach. You know. You know. We, I don't know. I think. Do I think we need to have the John Wayne conversation at some point. Just not cover the Searchers. The Searchers. We no. saved for the. Last episode of this podcast. That searchers would be the absolute last episode of this. That's that's the uh, yeah. That's where I'd walk away. I'd walk away out of the doorway, out of the doorway with the light. Yeah, 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 yeah. exactly. (laughs) But uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. in the Confederate army and killing some Native Americans. That's that's yeah. I'd have to do that first. Yeah, but you know, um, but uh, there there was a quote-unquote sequel to this. It had to do with sort of license uh, rights and shit like that with Universal. Repo Check, right? Repo Check 2009. It's basically almost kind of a semi-remake of this film, mm-hmm. and it's absolute garbage. I've seen it. It's, it's nothing. There was I kind of gr- got the feeling like, A, I'm interested enough to have to watch it at some point, and B, I no. think it's garbage. Yeah, no. don't watch it. Don't even bother. There was a graphic novel based on the actual screenplay for the proposed sequel to this called uh, Waldo's Hawaiian Holiday, which would have had the character of Otto come back after spending a time on Mars, <laughs> going to the car and going to Mars, um, coming back and the world, how the world had changed and all that shit. Uh, budget for this was $1.5 and it made $3.7 So it did really good. This is sort of the first foray for Alex Cox uh, getting more jobs. Unfortunately for Alex Cox, his next two movies were... Well, his next couple movies were mostly failures. Uh, he He's known for doing Sid and Nancy, which is mm-hmm. based on Sid Vicious and Nancy Spungen and their relationship and uh, with the Sex Pistols and all that stuff. Uh, but he did uh, Walker which is based on, uh, I think his name is uh, William Walker or something like that, who was a quote-unquote filibuster in the sense of invading foreign countries and uh, taking them over. He was a guy who invaded Nicaragua and actually... Well, this sounds like something I need to watch. Yeah, it's starring Ed Harris. Uh, he he, well, he actually... It's, it's a, it's, put it's this based... on the list. Okay. Scene. 
All right, yeah, because it, it's based on real life to a certain extent, but the real life uh, William Walker, so he invaded that and uh, took it over and became president for a brief period of time before he was overthrown. And that movie sunk Alex Cox's career, in Hollywood at least. Uh, he was blacklisted after that. He he did the screenplay initially for Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas. He was supposed to be the director for that, but... It, Eventually, that went to Terry Gilliam. He would have been a way better director for Fair than Las Vegas than Terry Gilliam. Okay, well, uh, we'll have to do that movie sometime and argue then. <laughs> yeah. I've only I- seen that film once, but I think I think uh, not even not even against Terry Gilliam, but I would love to see his version of Fair Love. Appar- apparently, a lot of Alex Cox is still in that fucking film because he sued them and won. Uh, for yeah. a director. Well, I mean, even for... even the even the like desert. I mean, just the just the amount yeah. of desert footage. I mean, you see that you see that kind of here, like driving through the desert. It's hard to not like think of fear and loathing, you know. Right, the, and uh, yeah. also um, when we were talking about our initial foray into spaghetti westerns, I think we mentioned Alex Cox did Straight to Hell, which is sort of a updated uh, spaghetti western slash sort of parody. And tribute, and we should do that at some point as well. Because I, I know uh, James Murphy wants to do that. And put them, put them on the list. We'll do them. Yeah. Like, you know me. I'll watch anything once. It's fine. You ungodly warlock. Hey guys, Lee here. Just cutting back in, much more sober as this is being recorded at a later date. But uh, I just wanted to briefly mention the DVD, Blu-ray options for this. At least two of them, anyway. Um, there was a 2003 release from Universal in DVD format that has a director's commentary and the theatrical trailer, so it's mostly bare bones. But, of course, there is also the exceptional Criterion Collection release. I believe it was also released in a DVD version, but there is a Blu-ray edition here released in 2013 that just has, of course, the expected buttload of added stuff to it. So, um... Oh yeah, and it also has the uh, TV edit, where everyone's saying flip you pervert and uh, melon farmers and all kinds of other stuff instead of uh, the usual vulgarity. Alright guys, back to the show. You ungodly warlock. Unless you have anything else to say about this film, uh, Daniel, uh, where can people find you on the internet? You can find me on Twitter at Daniel Lee Harper. You can find my Patreon at patreon.com slash Daniel Harper, which... As of this, doesn't really have much on it, but like basically, you're just contributing to me continuing to do this podcast and uh, trying to write more. I've uh, been kind of working on some stuff, kind of in the background, but I've just had a really busy couple of weeks, so I haven't produced a lot of content for that. But uh, hey, if you want to give us money for this podcast, if you like this podcast, give me money, despite the fact that I do nothing on this podcast but watch the movies and talk into a microphone. So. I'm I'm under the impression that if you send Daniel a thousand dollars in Patreon, he'll send me five hundred dollars back. Uh, you know what? If you give me a thousand, I could really use a thousand dollars. Like, uh, I could really, really use a thousand dollars right now. But I'll tell you what: if you give me a thousand dollars on Patreon, and uh, you say it's because you listen to this podcast, and you, you know. I'll give Lee seven hundred and fifty dollars of it, like that'll. Well, but then, uh, but then I, Lee I, will send me a bunch of beer in response, so it'll be fine. Yeah. Well, I'll send you beer anyway. I, w- I won't accept seven hundred fifty dollars. I'll accept five hundred dollars. 
Okay, that's my, okay. Cu- that's my cutoff. Well, I'll tell you what. Too, if you if you give a thousand dollars to my Patreon uh, per month, I will give Lee five hundred dollars in the first month. Yeah, you know, you know, goddamn, we we thought fucking Repo Man was fantastical and unrealistic. Now we're really uh, yeah. We don't have any millionaire listeners. Believe if we had a millionaire listener who's just been like, oh, yeah, these guys are fine. No. Lee and I could both use some money right now. Like, yeah, show I, I us. Think, I think I think like even I mean even like a hundred dollars a month would be a really positive change in both of our lives. Show you know? us the love. I could I could use it. I could use mm-hmm. it. Right now. Don't worry. Mm-hmm. I'd spend it all in booze, but still send it to me. I, I don't I don't have hot water in my house right now. My hot water heater is broken, so uh, oh shit! You know, send, yeah. yeah, don't send nothing to me. Send send it fucking all the damn. <laughs> I have hot water. I don't give a fuck. <laughs> That's where you can but, find me on the internet. Yeah, but yeah, uh, TMB DOS Lee, Lee is Lee is very drunk right now. Lee is. I am. Very I'm drunk. a little drunk. I'm not very. Yeah, drunk. yeah, yeah. He's not. He's not very drunk. I've seen him very drunk. He's quite drunk right now. He's beyond. He's beyond somewhat. He's too quite, but not to very. If that makes sense. <sighs> you disparage me, sir. I'm I don't disparage you. I'm, I'm so. I'm just, yeah, it's fine. It's fine. I'm despondent. Listen, TMB. Check us out. TMBDOS.podbean.com. It's the best place to find us. You get our YouTube, our Apple Podcast, and our Facebook fucking links. Facebook group, they must be destroyed on site. On Facebook, best place to find us, find what the fuck is happening on this podcast, because I don't even fucking know at this point. And, and nobody uh, knows what's going on in this podcast. Yeah. And uh, next time, it's either going to be Enemy Mine or Alienation. Uh, it's probably going to be Alienation. I don't think it's <laughs> It's probably going to be, yeah. I love, I, love Kit. I love Kit, but he's busy because he has like a life and professional obligation. He has a life and a profession, so. yes. So, so I'm thinking it's going to be Alienation next week, and then uh, the bright uh, live broadcast, or at least uh, commentary track the week after, and then we'll be done talking about sci-fi movies, and then we'll talk about Dorothy Malone. That's her name. That's right, Dorothy Malone. There you go. That's what's going to happen. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, thank you everyone for listening. Thank you, Daniel, for joining me, and we'll be back thank when you. we're back. We'll awesome. be back when we are. Cheers.
Things will never be the same. 